Edwards, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership, a series of conversations, insights, and inspirations with leaders who are real, raw, and authentic. Today, I bring you an open and heartwarming conversation with Tony Powell, well-being wonder worker, gratitude expert, and self-confessed worrywart. Our conversation focuses on the power of gratitude, what life was like for Tony before she discovered gratitude, and why it's an essential leadership capability. Enjoy. I met Tony many years ago as we were both members of a professional speakers group, and it really has been my privilege to watch her career flourish, especially in the field of positive psychology and with her Happy Healthy programs. Tony is on a mission, a mission to bring happiness into the workplace and from a really down-to-earth, highly practical perspective. She is a very entertaining keynote speaker, author, and all-round jolly good egg. Oh, and did I mention that she's a global expert on gratitude? And that's our topic in conversation today. Tony, welcome to Raw Authentic Leadership. Thanks, Claire. It's great to be here. Okay, so, you know, as, as I read out that introduction, just, it, I mean, it sounds like you, you have the perfect life. You've got it all, you know, and maybe you sailed through it unscathed, but I suspect that's probably not the reality. You know, to... To get to where you are now, I'm assuming you've had your fair share of challenges. And, and so my question is, what, what were some of those really key bumps in the road that led you to be such a, an advocate, so passionate about the power of gratitude? Well, it was definitely the major problem for me was winding up in my early 50s depressed and quite suicidal because a whole lot of things had gone wrong in my life and I discovered I just didn't have the skills you need to handle those things and it was going on a bit of an exploration trying to find a solution to being depressed that wasn't more drugs uh, that I discovered gratitude and then because it worked so rapidly and so it was so easy I'm not someone who's very disciplined I'm not someone who sticks to things for a long time and to find something that I could do that worked for me that was fairly rapid was so eye-opening and so exciting that it led me to discover a whole range of things that work well to for emotional well-being. Wow and so when it came when it came to your search and all the things that you were doing, why, why gratitude? What was it about gratitude that that worked for you? Well, initially when I tried gratitude, it didn't work for me. <laughs> because, Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> because uh, my daughter had a uh, photographic gratitude project that was going called 365 Grateful, and so she was doing all this gratitude. So I came across gratitude and I got given a gratitude journal. So I started dutifully trying to write in it, but I was so miserable. I couldn't think of things I was grateful for. 
And so I, I'd lose momentum really quickly, like in a day or two, I wouldn't continue for very long at all. And I could see that it should work, but I really couldn't get it to work. It wasn't until I started really looking into gratitude that I realised that it isn't the circumstance that is happening that needs to be happy or beautiful or suiting me for for me to be grateful. It's not the circumstance making me feel grateful. Mm-hmm. It is my decision to be grateful that is making the circumstance happy. And once I started to understand that, that it wasn't a feeling I was waiting, I kept waiting for a feeling, I should have this nice feeling, it was deciding to choose to be grateful regardless of having a feeling that fought the feelings, which I know sounds crazy. Wow. No, it, 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 makes, it makes absolute sense. So how did you consciously make that decision? What, what was going on at the time? What, what flipped the switch? The, the thing that flipped the switch was going and doing a bit of a course about how my brain worked and realising how, how patterns of thinking and default thinking were probably a bigger part of my problem than I realised and that I could take control of how my thinking went. Discovering that was incredible. Uh, you know, I felt like I had gone from being afflicted by something I couldn't help, depression, mm-hmm. to having control over the outcomes of how I responded in a circumstance. And gratitude was kind of the fast path to that. Okay, so we've got something that doesn't need drugs. No. <laughs> that is science-based. We're super, super science-based. It's so super, there's so much science. There's, there's 40, 50 years of science. It's not just a recent little thing. There's such solid evidence about gratitude. So, Tony, what, okay, so what I'm hearing from you is this is this is a practice that costs no money, that is drug-free, um, that is heavily science-based. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of, of gratitude as well. So, I mean, it's, if it's such a no-brainer, why on earth isn't it being prescribed for depression? Do GPs know about it? I mean, I don't, I, I hadn't planned to ask you this question, but it's just one that I'm really curious about. Well, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing, because after the practice of gratitude worked quite dramatically for me, I then be, think I began thinking, well, if it could work for me, could it work for other people? So that's when I started the research, yeah. thinking this just feels a bit too easy. Everyone would know about it if it was this easy. And so I, I thought, well, it can't be this easy. That's why I started looking into it. I started thinking that, oh, maybe I'd had some kind of manic episode <laughs> where I'd gone from one feeling to the other an epiphany. and that it, it was just an aberration. Yeah, yeah, some weird thing. I didn't realise initially the science behind it. Once I began to look into the science mm. and understand the mechanics of it all, then it just makes perfect sense and that is why I do what I do because the fact it isn't taught in school, yeah. the fact that it isn't prescribed at your GP or your um, psychologist, it amazes me. I, I One of the very first workshops I did in 2000, early 2012 
a psychologist came along to it and she came up to me at morning tea and said, we prescribe gratitude in our practice and we've discovered that those people with depression who take on the practice of gratitude and commit to it get better. Mm -hmm. Those who don't, don't. And I said, what? And I I said, this is in our practice. You You are seeing this regularly. Are you sure enough about this to get up in front, and there were 200 people there, um, get in front of these people and tell them that, and she did. She got up and said, this is what we find. If people are prescribed gratitude and they do it, they get better. Gosh. And that's been my experience. I'm not saying at all that you never have bad days. I'm not saying I don't wake up thinking, oh, my goodness, I hope it all burns down in a minute. This, This is a very difficult world some days. But gratitude's just an instant way to reset and you can use it anytime, anywhere, take it with you, it doesn't run away, it doesn't take off with a younger person, it isn't subject to financial crisis, Uh, don't have to win the lottery to get 25% happier. (laughs) It's just this wonderful thing that a kid from eight years old can do and it can transform the brain of someone eight years old and someone 80 years old. So... When when we talk about a, a practice of gratitude, I know for a lot of people it's like, well, um, well I'm, so I'm just going to get a book and say, I'm grateful for my health, I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for my friends. Um, and, and it's way more than that. How would you um, address that sort of scepticism or cynicism around it's just about write down three things that you're grateful for and, and, and someone's going to wave a magic wand and you'll be happy forever after. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And certainly writing down, uh, I think gratitude is a more complex thing than people give it credit for. I think people confuse appreciation with gratitude. Ah. And I think a part of ah. appreciation, I think gratitude is made up of a number of things, but and Appreciation has to be part of it. Uh, It's like seeing afresh is part of it. Appreciation is part of it. But the actual process of gratitude is one of giving thanks, not noting, not necessarily just taking a photo or writing something in a journal. It it is the communication of thanks. So to me, gratitude, gratitude's magic happens because it's an outward process you are giving outward thanks to someone else so it connects you to other people it improves relationships it helps people feel seen it it's like an all-round wonder drug yeah Uh, and that actually is a beautiful segue into my next question around gratitude in business and and gratitude in organizations so you know, how mm-hmm. how might you go about helping a leader in an organisation to see gratitude as a, 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 for want of a better word, hard leadership capability? Yeah. Look, um, when I first started working with corporates and going into corporates, they'd be telling me, you know, this is a soft thing. And I'd be like, why is this soft? I don't understand your um, 
attribution of calling this thing soft. It is a mental discipline that that makes you almost invincible. It 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 may it to me it it is the core of resilience. It makes you tough on so many levels. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a really core thing for a leader because to me, leading is relationships. Yeah. That's what you are doing as a leader. You are re- relating. If people in your organisation do not see feel seen or valued, they do not stay. Yeah. Um, so in terms of keeping people in your team, keeping people focused in your team, keeping their brains at a premium, keeping their mood at a stable, keeping them in a place where they don't fall victim to stress easily or if they do, there's a way out very quickly. Mm-hmm. All those sort of things to me are very core basics that any business wants as a standard and so to me this is the gift of gratitude supplies all that for you in one easy thing and I love to see my approach with working with leaders is not to teach them about gratitude so they can kind of practice it on others so much as they can experience the inner transformation themselves Mm which then changes how they lead. And and what sort of what sort of changes have you observed? What sort of difference is it making? In in myself or in, in other leaders? In the people or, that you've worked what? with. And I know you work with a lot of people in education as well. So what are some of your success stories? Oh my goodness, so many. Um we um early on a woman turned up to a workshop with a uh, late and they came came in and they sat in the front row because all the other seats were taken and she had a, a very, very big husband with her, a very tall and big man, but also big in the sense of uh, personality mm-hmm. and mood. And he came in clearly unhappy didn't want to be there. He'd clearly been dragged in there. And I later heard their story. So he had been in very senior leadership and had whistleblown Uh at his workplace. And as happens with many whistleblowers, everything uh, comes back at them and they end up losing their job. And so he ended up devastated. He lost his career uh, he retreated into himself, became very depressed and suicidal, eight and eight and eight, became very overweight to the point where his wife had to call home six or seven times a day to check he hadn't killed himself. Oh, and that was tearing her apart and you know, really impacting their marriage. She was at the end of the marriage and she basically said to him, come to this thing, this is the last chance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so for, when when he came in, he was like so fiery and unhappy and I was thinking, well, he's going to derail the whole workshop. He's so mad. Uh, anyway, he, he sat there and he listened and I found out later he was on, I think, four different lots of antidepressants. Anyway, at the end of the day, when it was a day just on gratitude, at the end of the day he said, like, I am going to commit to this. Over the next six months, he lost all his extra weight. He went off all four drugs, and that was 2012. He's still well (laughs) and 
off all medication and thriving. A few weeks after the workshop, he got in his little sports car and drove up just to thank me personally because his life had changed so dramatically in a very short time and remains changed. Uh, And he's gone back into, he went then into mentoring troubled teens. So he used his experience to then lead others uh, into a better place. Gosh, if that's the only change you made, then everything's been worth it. And and I would imagine that there must be there's a ripple effect. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So many people I know have changed business or opened a different business and that and they spend a lot of their time with their clients talking about gratitude. That it becomes something you want to share with people because it's so easily transformative. So how might you go about helping someone who, I suppose a little bit like like you were, that just they can't see something to be grateful for. The, you know, things are just not, are not going their way. Maybe they've struggled through the pandemic. How might we help someone wake up to the mm. power of gratitude? I think that is quite difficult unless someone is searching mm. and wants to know and is mm. questioning. Um, you know, it's not something you can say, well, you really need to be grateful. Um, I know when I first was starting, I, I was trying to look around and find something and I, could, I couldn't find anything to be grateful for. If you're deeply depressed, you mm-hmm. can't see anything. But once I learned how my brain worked and I saw that simply focusing on something pleasing even if it wasn't instantly pleasing to you right then, but something that you knew yeah. you did like maybe in the past, that simply fo- a focus on that will start mm-hmm. change in your brain. Pretty much everything mm-hmm. you do changes your brain. You've just got to work out what ones are going to change it for good. And so for me, the very first thing I could find, which was like a deliberate choice, I'm going to now find something that I can focus on for a minute, was a colour. I just decided I would focus on that colour. So I found it difficult at first and I had to just do it in one-minute intervals with something that had once pleased me. But it was pretty rapid where that beca- where the feelings started wow. coming themselves. So that's like a, a combined mindfulness and gratitude practice? Well, to begin with, because I wasn't really able to identify things that I was grateful for, I just would focus on something that had some goodness to it in some manner, like the colour was a good colour or whatever. So I just initially started off with... What was the colour? It was the teal, teal colour. Still one of my favourite colours. Which is your branding now. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I I think that as you train your brain to start picking, picking up differences and start looking at things, trying to look at it from a child's point of view, mm. from a new point of view, from a point of view of if I had never opened my eyes before, um, that sort of thing, once you start looking for that, 
then you find what you look for. Whatever you start really focusing on, your brain then brings to your attention, which is why when we get depressed or we get angry or bitter, we tend to stay there because that becomes our focus and our brain feeds us more of that. Yeah. You know, just listening to you there got me thinking about, so I'm, I'm based in Sydney and we're just sort of slowly coming out of lockdown now. And we went into quite a hard lockdown at the end of June and it was mandated. And just listening to the language of the of, of our premier, you know, it was mandated that we um, either couldn't go further than five kilometers or we couldn't go outside of our local um, government area. And, you know, I could imagine so many people listening to that and it's you can't, you mustn't, you it, it's all it's all these mandated orders and and i think for me that what helped in terms of having a gratitude practice was the ability to reframe this and say fabulous i'm going to explore every single square meter of national park or greenery in my local government area and luckily it's an amalgamated one so it's quite big and my goodness i just found the most amazing things on my doorstep yeah. Um, so is that, uh, could that be classed as, a, as an element of gratitude? I, I definitely think that would play into that. Yeah, because you've you've decided to look at what you have, what you can do. Like, and and that's perfectly valid. It, it, it is how we look at things. We go, oh, no, I can only go five kilometres. But the truth is you can go five kilometres. You have the gift of freedom for five kilometres which many people didn't get that. Yeah. So I think it starts you seeing the world as, wow, I can go five kilometres rather than I can't. It really changes how you perceive information. And so expanding out a little bit now, because I know that, you know, in, in the sort of the trajectory of your career and growth, you've expanded far beyond gratitude now, it, the whole sort of... Um, spectrum of of positive psychology and I know you're doing a lot of work in the education sector can you share some of the programs that you're running there Tony? Yes so um, it the it just was very timely that when COVID hit was also at a time where I was just completing and on putting a whole course together of basically everything I'd learned in these years about changing my mindset and the things that keep me sane. Uh, I put them all in one program because I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to be available beyond just me delivering it personally. That's very limiting. Um, so I put it in a program at exactly the same time that um, Avid Australia, who are uh, a department in University of Victoria uh, requested, did, did I have a program for female principals? And I was able to adapt the program I had. And so I did a six-week program with 16 female principals. And I'd been working in schools for years and years and years and had great success in schools. However, this was different. We were just working directly with the leaders. And while I had worked in schools where I'm working directly with one group of leaders, like that, the um, 
the leaders of the school, a group of six or eight people. I've done that mm-hmm. quite a bit. But to do it with a group of only leaders and then watch them go back into their schools and the changes that it made in them personally has been really amazing. And then that was so successful, the, the Leadership Institute in uh, Western Australia, which is uh, it serves the Department of Education, the principals and deputies and upcoming leaders in education in in Western Australia. So I'm now running some programs mm-hmm. with them through through the Leadership Institute. And every program we've run with leaders or non-leaders has been profoundly transforming for everyone in it, uh, which is the power of gratitude. Um, it It is yeah. transformative for people and it's just really simple and easy. So anyone can do it. And, and can you give us just, are there any examples of, of outcomes from those programs or anecdotes from how those principles are then taking that message back into the schools that they're, they're working in? The sort of things people are talking to me about, one principal um, who was nearing the end of her career and had had a fairly bad run-in with staff, so she was you know, facing the end of a career on a on a down note. What what she discovered was she began to understand why things had gone wrong, what she had overlooked in relationships, and be and was saying to me at the end, going, "If only I'd known this, none of this would have happened. I would have spoken to these people differently. I would have handled everything differently if I'd understood about." gratitude so it was quite profound for her and she's had a really big change of heart and isn't leaving the profession on a down and she's not filled with regret I hope no no yeah so seeing those sort of things and this sort of training that I do what I'm aiming for is is that people kind of come more to peace inside themselves and learn to handle their own emotions and defensiveness. And then that calm just spreads through everything and affects their marriages, their relationships with their children, their friends. So it's it's a wide thing. It, It does have a huge impact in the workplace, but it does because it has a huge impact in on the individual. Yeah. So it's not like a it's not like an external practice that you put on and behave a certain way in a workplace. It's more of an internal change that then impacts the work. I think you've just hit the nail on the head there, and I've I've been fortunate enough to um, to be one of the participants on one of your Happy Healthy You programs, and when you know each week. Rangers mm-hmm. um, and ending up as the you know some of the stuff that that people ended up sharing, um, and you just holding the space for them and you know I, I just the the way that you put everything together and and the, the, maybe the, this is a bit of a curveball question but one of the things that I absolutely loved in this program was your use of um, short films. <laughs> 
So can you tell us how that came about? Because they are so powerful and I wouldn't have thought to have incorporate them in any, any of my programs, but they just work. Yeah, I, I had the advantage of having been a film festival director, so I'd already seen the power of short film. Um, it, it, this all came about because when I moved to a small town in 2003, I got a bit lost. I didn't have the normal, I didn't have any friends or the support system you have when you live somewhere for a long time. We'd lived somewhere 10 years. We had a good support system. We went into no support system. I became very depressed about that and not having friends and not having anything to look forward to. So I decided to make a short film and win a competition, which was outrageous. It was just so crazy. I had no experience. You know, why, why would I win? Um, but, I, but I determined to go and enter this competition and win and because I'd had a fascination with short film for some years and filmmaking generally for my whole life. And we did go, to make a long story short, we did win this competition and the little film just travelled all around the world and screened in 160 film festivals, which suddenly gave me an insight in a much bigger way into the power of short film. And so I, I like to incorporate that in my work. And is it because it's the message is condensed? What, what, what is it that makes it so powerful? I think it depends on the film, but I do. I think, you know, I think short film is often storytelling at its best where you take a big idea and make yeah. it in a few minutes. So the editing is very tight and there's, it's a film, so there's imagery which is so powerful and a well done short film i think can impact you forever yeah yeah well it's certainly i mean when we used to come together each week and you'd invite us to reflect back on the course and and what we'd learned and what we'd got from it everyone just kept coming up with oh that film about the dog or the film about the guy <laughs> in bermuda or that you know it was always about the films that just made yeah. you stop and take yeah. stock yeah. And it is, it, it, it was like a sprinkling of gratitude. You, like you got sprinkled with gratitude dust when you watched them. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But, but as you say, it's around that impacts the person first and then ripples out to the employee. It's, 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 it's that ripple effect. And so mm. I suppose coming coming back to uh, organizations and leaders is how do you get an organization over the line? How do you help them see the hard, fast value in, in, in their people embarking on one of your programs? How do you, I mean, do you, you know, do you have to try and influence and convince or you share your stories? How do you sprinkle, sprinkle your, magic does to get organizations to to embrace this very good question uh, one i never talk about gratitude up front um i talk about the outcomes thereafter because people often have a pre judgment about gratitude of, of what it is which is the judgment i used to have that gratitude is this kind of sweet mm. feminine little 
flowery, sweet for, for nice, sweet people for Pollyanna. You know, it's a Pollyanna yeah. little yeah. fluff, fluff thing. But that is to completely misapprehend what you're dealing with. This is this is like tough stuff. This is this is mm. um, high level tough stuff. It's mental discipline uh, at its best and powerful to change people in almost every area of your life. So you get great outcomes. So I just talk about the outcomes of the program, which yeah. are what most businesses are looking for. They want to increase well-being for their team. They don't want people hyper-reactive and melting down and being yeah. uh, and being not productive because they're too busy being stressed or angry or resentful or yeah. complaining, whatever it is they're doing. So they, they, they want those different outcomes. That's what they're looking for. Gratitude then creeps in during the program. <laughs> Yeah, that makes that that makes perfect sense, and um, it must it must feel good for you to be going back on stage because you're you're just such a good keynote speaker, and you know going back with our relationship to that amazing TEDx Noosa talk that you did that I'll put in the show notes. Um, so tell us about what you're going to be speaking about. Um, at happiness and its causes in Sydney. I do not know yet. We haven't discussed the topic. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, did have a plan, but I don't know what it is now. I love that about you. You're so spontaneous. You'll just. I I reckon if if they just said right, you know, can you just talk about something tomorrow? You just get up on stage and 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 deliver <laughs> deliver gold. <laughs> we will see. Well, I for one have got a ticket, and I and I can't wait. Um, I'm looking forward to to, to seeing you speak again. Uh, how does it feel to to? I mean, have you done anything face to face recently, or is it just starting to come back? I just um, did a live, my first live talk in a long time to Carers Queensland, and I was talking about caring mm-hmm. for my mum, which I did for six years. Uh, but my mother had died four days before the talk, so it was an extraordinary time and very uh, unusual. So it was kind of beautiful but, but extremely sad. So it was an unusual wow. reintroduction to speaking again. Gosh. Yeah, um, because I think you were going to – were you – considering recording it but you went ahead with it live I did both so I did a recording a video for them in case on the day I just I I didn't know how to predict what I would be like um because I'd never Uh lost my mother before so I didn't know what would happen of course um but they the company wanted me to come and speak if I could so they left the door open, and so on the day I felt like I could, so I did. Gosh, kudos to you, Tony. Oh, what a fabulous conversation. Um, so just sort of bringing everything. Yeah. Because I couldn't attend my mum's funeral because of COVID, it was a bit like 
um, a replacement for the funeral for me to be able to talk about her. I didn't know. I didn't know you couldn't attend her funeral. Gosh. No, so I couldn't attend the funeral or or be with her while she was dying. That was awful. Um, but I did get the opportunity to talk about her a few days after she died. So that seemed like a little magic gift from the universe. And something to be grateful for. Oh, yeah, I was so grateful for it. Wow, I, I don't want to ask you any more questions after that. I think it's <laughs> come to a very poignant, um, poignant full circle, really. Gosh, you just, you never cease to amaze me, Tony Powell. You really do. Um <laughs> So what I will do, I'll I'll put links to all the uh, to your your website. Is it okay to? Are you on LinkedIn or Instagram, or how do you like yeah, people to connect yeah, with you? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a very good social media user. I'm a social <laughs> media failure. Um, I just don't get into it a whole lot. So I am on LinkedIn and Instagram and. Facebook, but I I don't but don't expect a response. Do. I don't do a lot. I'll I'll respond to a message definitely, <laughs> but I don't post lots of stuff or videos of myself or. Well, you're too busy anyway. Photos of myself sunning on the beach or whatever you're meant to do on Instagram. I yeah I I don't quite get to to it. So I'm not very fun social media person. It's it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, look, Tony, I am so grateful for having you in my life. Um, I can't wait to see you again face to face. It's been too long. Yeah. I Thank know. you so much for, for being in conversation, for your vulnerability, for your openness, for your honesty from the get go. I've, um, it's been a it's been a joy. And it's a joy always to talk to you. You are just like sunshine and you greatly enrich my life. So. Uh, very happy to chat to you anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and we hope that this conversation provided the insights and inspiration you were looking for. Did you know that Authentic Leadership was ranked number 10 in the top 25 Australian leadership podcasts for 2021? You can help us to get to number one by heading over to Apple iTunes and giving us a positive rating and writing a short review. It's also the most effective way for us to get the key messages around 21st century leadership out into the community. Go well, stay safe and keep listening and learning.